good evening or good day, whichever it is. Because we have people online here tonight as well as those here all for one purpose, to worship together. What a joy. I am Tim Griffin. I'm one of the retired pastors who are a member here. And we're at celebration, which means what we do here. We celebrate. We have a Savior who loves us, who died for us, who forgives us who will take us to heaven on the day appointed. That's a lot to celebrate. We're going to celebrate a lot of that in our worship tonight. It's also kind of a tough evening as well, because it's Life Sunday, which is wonderful. Christ created it, gave it to us. But the sanctity of human life means different things to people, and it's a dangerous and tough thing to deal with, but not with Christ's help. So we'll, we'll deal with that as part of our worship tonight, thanking him for the gift of life and the price he paid. It's the third weekend of the month of May, and those who come here or are online know the third weekend is when we give a special gift to a special somebody who is serving Christ in special ways. And this month, it's VIDA. It's that ministry to women in crisis and, and with children in crisis and so on, too, that we have here. So all the free, all the free change or whatever, the un, un, uh, unpocketed money that's not in a check to faith goes to VIDA tonight, except we have a really special thing going on right now. Our Lutheran Church body, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod says they will match up to $20,000 given to VIDA for their ministry, but the check has to be written to faith and noted for VIDA or done online and noted for VIDA, and they will match it dollar for dollar. So we have that special gift beyond our free change tonight. So please, if you want to support that amazing ministry, I'd like to have you do that. Um, actually, Tracy's here. Where tra where's Tracy? Tracy, sorry. I know she was supposed to be here. Anyway, she's on the board of directors for our church, and she's also one who works with VIDA on the board of directors. Uh, next week officially starts summer. It's Memorial Day, right? So things change a little bit. Everyone is welcome to come to our church and be a part of our church, but on Fridays for summer, our office is closed. So if you try and come on Friday morning, you can't come till fall, just to let you know, starting this Friday, office closed. And also starting next Sunday, a week from tomorrow, at our other campus, there's no third service. There'll be two services on Sunday morning there for the summer, 8 o'clock and 9.30, but no 10.40 service. If you go there at 10.40, you can pray, you can worship by yourself, but there won't be anybody else there with you, just to let you know for the summer. Um, one more thing, we, if, you, if you've been following our devotion books, the new one is out. We're starting a new series called Rethink Lies That We Believe. And that is out there in the narthex. You can pick it up or you can go online at our mobile app or Facebook or, or subscribe it on the church uh, website or whatever. But those are our devotions. They're amazing. How many of you read the devotions that are put together by the church here? Some amazing devotions people do. And then I write some too. But, um, <laughs> but it's a wonderful opportunity to spend time with God. Well, talking about spending time with God, Eliza, we're here to spend time in music and worship with God, too. So if you would rise, please, let's begin our worship with our first song. Amen. We're here to worship. And this first song we're going to do is rejoice, because part of worshiping to the Lord is rejoicing in what the Lord has done. Um, so let's sing this song. Joy. 
hands gratefully lift up your voice his gentleness among us will join our hearts with praise we gather in his goodness a family of grace with, with each breath he's given One day when heaven 
was filled with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be jesus came forth to be born of a virgin dwelt among men my example is he the word became flesh and night shined among us his glory
seems far away Rising he's justified Freely forever One day he's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Let us confess. We come to you, O Lord, with a broken and sinful heart. Let us confess together. We come, we come to, to you, O Lord, Lord and repent of our sin. Daily we struggle to see our brokenness, and we fail to live according to your word. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. We can only be made new with the work of your hands. O oh Lord, amen. I don't know where you were yesterday, but God does. I don't know what sin you bear on your life, in your heart, your mind, and your soul, but God does. And he knew it before it happened. He knew it when he, 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 he let himself be nailed to a cross. So that whatever burden you have, whatever struggle you carry, whatever darkness is there on your soul for what you've done or you haven't done, whatever other people have said to you or done to you to tear you down, Christ came to raise himself up for you on a cross and then to raise you up from the spirit of darkness with the gift of forgiveness. Now, a day appointed by his grace, he will raise you up from the, from the grave and give you life eternal. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he's done for you. So it is my joy, my honor, my great blessing to be able to share with you what he shared with me and, and with a world of lost sinners such as we, that we need not be lost. In fact, we are not lost. In Christ, right now, your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe seated once more for the next song.
did, he did Who paid for all of our sin Nobody but Jesus Who pulled me out of that pit He did, he did Who paid for all of our sin Nobody but Jesus Who rescued me from that grave of the readings for the day, this day in which we celebrate the sanctity of human life. First from the first chapter of the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and following. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over all and every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Our second reading for this day, in the prophet Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, beginning of verse 1. Now, this is what the Lord says, who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. For I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. This is what God, the Lord says. He who created the heavens and, and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and, and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. 
I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from, from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Here ends our second reading. If you're able to rise, please rise. As we turn to the gospel for this Life Sunday, the gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 13. Now people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and he blessed them. Here ends the gospel for this day. You may be seated. Coming in, I hope you picked up the outline. It was either in white or it was in Yellow, but it's one of those two <laughs> that we have for today. See if this is working. Yep, that's me. That's good. Okay. Whoops. Went one too far. There we go. We got some tough stuff to go through today. And a short time to do it. But, but it's tough stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us a recourse to turn to. We're, we're going to be going into some very, very tough waters. So I want you to, to stay safe. So if you can find a hand, hold on to it. Would you please find a hand? If you hold on to two hands, it's okay to find a hand to hold on to it. We're going we're gonna to kind of stretch our boundaries a little bit here. Find a hand to hold. Would you please just find a hand, any hand. And we're going to go through some tough stuff. And if it gets really too tough for you, if it's really too personal or too heavy or too black or, or, or too tough, I want you to, to remember these words that I'm going to share with you that you know. In fact, I want you to share them with me right now together. Here it goes. I think you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. This is a word for the world. And it's for you and me. And as I say, we're going to go through some dark places. So you might have to come back to these words to remind you about this thing called Jesus' love. And we're going to talk about little things today and big things today about size and whether it matters. And kids, it's a children's message. And my definition of children is anyone under the age of a thousand. So how many here under the age of a thousand? All right, you're the kids today. Uh, here's, here's an old circus picture, okay? World's largest man, world's smallest man. And you know what? The circus paid them a wage just for being there. Do you know that? Why? Because of their size. Well, well, which size was more important, the little guy or the big guy? Which was more important? They made money on both. <laughs> People paid money to come and see both. See, size mattered in a good way there. What about this one? Here's a, here's a big brother and a little sister. Which one does mom love most? Which one does dad love most? Well, I hope what? Both. Because love is not measured by us by the size of who we're loving. 
but by the size of our love, and especially for our kids, mom and dad. No more precious gift in this world than to love our children, our grandchildren, or our great-grandchildren. Here's another picture of, of size here. Here's a little girl inside mommy. What she looks like at each part of her growth. Now, now, where in this line of pictures does mommy start loving the baby? Where in this line of pictures is this baby important enough for the family and the doctor and everybody to care about? At what point? At what point? Well, as I understand love and humanity, babies are loved no matter where they are or what their size. And we're going to talk about that today. In fact, I'm going to talk to the fact that, that does size of a person matter to God? Does the size of a person matter to God and his amount of love for you? If you're the biggest or the strongest or the weakest and the smallest? If you have handicaps or struggles or, or, or sins, does it stop him from loving you? No. So here's the question we're going to deal with today, and that's this one. Does the size of a person matter to you? Does the size of a person matter to you? This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And I need to deal with one of the most important subjects related to this subject today. Does size matter for life? And I want to start with defining ourselves, if I can do that. Now, there was a, a British, um, British writer a few years ago who was, who was trying to define Americans. He said, Americans are defined by three things. They're, they're defined by their work and their play and their religion. Isn't that what you define yourself as too? You say, well, I go to Celebration Church. I, I work at this job. I, I, I love to do this for fun, right? Like, like golf or, or fishing or, or whatever we do. We define ourselves by three, three things. And this, this, this English author I thought was amazing because he, he wanted to say, yes, that's how Americans define themselves. But in reality, Americans usually worship their work and work at their play and play at their religion. Is that you? Is that you? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's you or not, but I'll tell you, he was wrong in this respect. There are words that are written that we identify far more than these as far as who we are and what's important. They are written in in 1776 and, and every side of politics, every side of, of, of color or creed or whatever in America, we all identify with what words? What words define us as Americans? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with, with certain unalienable rights that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of, of happiness. Everybody quotes that. Everybody refers to it, usually for a certain somebody. And we, and, we, and we divide over who that somebody is. That's our divisions, isn't it, in this country? We have sides that are saying, you're ruining our country because you're choosing these over that. Him over her, them over them. You're choosing you over me. These words define us, but they also divide us. When we deal with to whom do these words apply to the most? And we shouldn't apply it that way, but that's what we do, isn't it? We as Americans have fought wars over this world. Word. Do you know that? We have fought wars from the, from the Revolutionary War. What was it about? Freedom, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, right? 
Then we got to the War of 1812, same thing going on. Got the War of, of, of Civil War going on. Then it was about somebody else who's not us, of a different color or a different location, and they needed freedom. They needed life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So we fought and died for that. And then we got to World War I and World War II, and, and so many wars we fought because we saw other people in other parts of the world whose life was threatened. Liberty was threatened, happiness taken away, and we have stepped in as a country again and again because of these words that we identify with. But you know what? You know what? Which conflict have we been part of in the last 200 and, and almost 50 years has the most casualties? Which of these, these things we've been a part of as a country in our nation and our world have caused the most casualties? Anybody know which, which conflict has caused the most? Can I talk about that conflict? Because the conflict is about unalienable rights and whether they apply to people who are a certain size and a super, certain location. That's what we've been divided over in our application. And do you know what the number of casualties is that's happened because of this division we have? Have you any idea how many casualties there are in the, since 1973 regarding this division? Let me share with you if I can. This is from the government statistics of what they have recorded of how many casualties have happened since 1973. And I'm going to start this way. How many have ever been to California? How many have ever been to California? How many love California? How many don't mind if California falls into the sea? <laughs> well, that's how we are. We're divided, aren't we? But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Would you believe that if we added up all the casualties from our division over whether life is there in the womb that deserves life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or not, all the casualties add up to the entire population of Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, Sacramento. In fact, the entire population of the state of California. It's like we killed, we ended the life of every single person in California. How many believe that? How many don't believe that? Well, let me tell you, I'm wrong. It's not just California. It's equal to the entire population of California and Oregon. It's equal to the entire population of California, Oregon, and Washington. Seattle gone, Portland gone. Every single man, woman, and child in those three states gone. And everybody in Nevada. Las Vegas. Everybody, every man, woman, and child in Nevada gone. And not just that. Equal to every state of those that I've mentioned, including Arizona, Phoenix, and all its environs. In every corner of the state, every human life represented there, gone. And not just Arizona. We're going up to Utah, Salt Lake City. Every man, woman, and child in Utah equal with all the other states. The amount of lives, the amount of casualties in, in our division over this life. And we're working on the state of Idaho right now. The amount of casualties that we have had suffer in this country is equal to the entire Western United States. Is that enough casualties yet? Is that enough human beings whose lives have suffered 
and died because our division over who gets life and who doesn't, who deserves it more and who deserves it less. You know, I know that's how many people affected by this decision have to believe that abortion is excused. They have to believe it. How many people have to believe that, that abortion is good and, and, and it's justified? How many have to believe that because the alternative is just too dark, too deep, too great to, to think about having a hand in the death of, of a child? The death of a human being that, that belonged to you or belonged to your, your, your children or belonged to, to your, your girlfriend, belonged to, your, to whoever. How many people have to own that it must be okay? It has to be okay because if it's not okay, it's too great a darkness, too great a burden, too great a loss to even conceive that, that we were, we're responsible for something like this. I don't know what side you've been on regarding this. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make, well, you've heard it before. What sin is too great for Jesus to forgive? What sin? What person is too far gone that Christ does not love them at all? What? Can I stop here? Can we share a little song again just, just at this point? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. <sighs> Excuses. It's got to be good. It's got to be justified. No, but it can be forgiven. Let's look at the excuses. Can we take a little bit to look at the excuses here? There are five beliefs that are used to justify abortion as being good, as being righteous, as, be, as being the thing to do. And here's what the excuses are. And I've dealt with them. You deal with them. Some of you maybe even hold to them. Is a fetus a person as God sees them? Is a, is a, is a fetus in the womb a human being? Well, I'll tell you, the Bible refers to children in the womb as babies the same way it refers to babies after they're born. Same terminology, same representation of humanity. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb and he spoke in my name. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, God said. For you, for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, the writer of Psalm 139 declared. Jesus, you know, Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, right? Born for us on Christmas. The Bible refers to Jesus as being Jesus, fully God and fully human from that point of conception on. In fact, the first person to, to recognize Jesus was an unborn child, not Jesus, but John the Baptist. And where was John the Baptist when he recognized Jesus being there? Where was he? In the womb of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth refers to Mary, newly conceived of Jesus, as mother, the mother of my Lord. 
So Elizabeth knew not only who, who Mary was and that she was her mother, but who Jesus was, and there was Jesus there. In fact, in the history of the Bible, who are among those that we condemn the most? Well, there's the Pharaoh, of course, in, in Genesis, and, and, and there's Herod, of course, who, who had the babies all killed because he was trying to get at Jesus. Well, I'll tell you, the amount of children they tried to kill and did kill is minuscule compared to this country in 50 years, compared to this country in one year, compared to this country in one month of those 50 years. According to the Bible, there's no difference between the person who have a fetus in the womb and a child after they're born. And you want to know something? According to our government, too, if you look it up on the, on the website for the National Institutes of Health, you know what they say about human life? Our government even says human life may be considered a human person when? At fertilization. It's still there written. In fact, it was reiterated in 1989. That's, that's 16 years after Roe v. Wade. So we have to acknowledge the reality that a human being is a human being, no matter how small, no matter where they are. What about, what about every woman having a right to control her own body? Every woman, every female person has a right to control their own body. Well, how many have ever been to one of these before? A reveal party. Anybody here been to a reveal party before? Where we reveal what? That it's an it? <laughs> it's a girl. It's a boy. When does that happen? How long after birth does that, this party happen? No. We know then. Even we can see. But we know also it's a girl inside. It's a boy inside. So the scriptures establish a preborn child as a person from conception, then the rights of a female or male should not be dependent on their location or their size or their age. They're human. They're loved by Jesus, just like you and me. And we were once them. We were once them. So what does God say regarding our own bodies, whatever gender we are? What's he say about our bodies, by the way? Do, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The preborn child is not a part of the mother's body. The baby's placenta counteracts the mother's body as it would normally reject internal foreign living matter. But the child has a different genetic makeup. Have a different, can have a different gender <laughs> and, a, and a different blood type than the body that surrounds the child. We know it's not just one body. It's two, or if there's twins, it's three. Not just one person, but two or, or three or however are there in the womb. What about every child being a wanted child? Isn't every child a wanted child? I'm old enough. How many here are old enough to remember 1973? <laughs> I remember when Roe v. Wade happened. I remember the number one thing they said over and over again in the news. Number one thing they said over and over in their speeches. If we have abortion, we're going to end child abuse. Because every child is going to be a wanted child. That's what we're told. I remember it. I'm not that dumb. Is there no child abuse today? Oh, I wish. 
Is there less child abuse? I wish. No. In fact, in a lot of ways, more and more, besides the fact that we have ended the lives of millions of children for reasons which, honestly, when looking in the light of Scripture and reality, are not valid. In fact, is life designed to exist only at the convenience or the desire of another? What, what do we call it? What's it usually call it when, when one terminates the life of someone they don't want around? What do we call that? In fact, up until 1973, the word abortion was used for accidental death of a child or a miscarriage. The word that they used for somebody who took the life of a child in the, in the womb was called aborticide. That was the term, along with this one, because it involved a human being. So how does God feel about the worth of each human being? Well, the purpose of Christ's coming was to save humanity, to save every man, woman, and child from death and hell. God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, to save the world through him. That's right after John 16. And then he says, if you had known, whoops, if you had known what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not have condemned the guiltless. Can you say then, I wouldn't have an abortion myself, but I support the right of others to do so. Do we have that option of supporting wrong actions by others? Do we have that option? Is there really something? What does God direct us to do regarding others, including children in the womb? He says, rescue those being carried off to death. Our responsibility is to intercede for human life, to be messengers of a, of a message that saves human life. And since we don't allow a freedom to take a human life as a matter of whim or personal choice, then our responsibility is to protect the life of the weak and the helpless and the innocent. Well, what about cases of rape, incest, abnormal fetus, they make abortion acceptable practice. Well, are normal people to be of greater worth, worth to us than the, than the innocent, the, the handicapped, the injured, and the distressed? Is that where we draw the line on whether somebody's life is worth it or not? Who are the innocent ones in a rape which, which respond, results in a pregnancy? Is killing either victim, the mother or the child, the rape, a solution to this horrific crime? Does it, does it make it go away? Does it stop it? Or just stop another life, injure another human being. What about people with special needs? We have less than them, by the way, technically in this country than we had before. That is the truth. We have less people with Down syndrome and, and other sorts of things like that because for some Decades we have tested before they're born. And if they have Down syndrome or whatever, now nine out of ten are terminated there. We determine that physical or mental normality means they don't, they're not worthy of life. They'll make life too tough for them and for us. But is that a justified reason for abortion? The Lord said, the Lord said he says, who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is not I the Lord? He doesn't just make perfect or normal people. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Or you either. He says, keep from a false charge. 
and don't kill the innocent and righteous. For I will not justify the wicked. And here are words, by the way, you might have not read some of these words or heard these words I've quoted here. Here are words I guarantee you're all going to hear if you haven't heard them before. Jesus records, he says, the judgment day, he's going to say this. He said, and the king will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. You did it to me. Well, must, what must we do about abortion and other life issues? What must we do? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what we're not doing. And because of that, we're not being heard. He says in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, if I speak in the, in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a, 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 a bang gong or a clanging cymbal. We are only noise to people who don't hear the message that we share about Christ and, and babies and, and all this because they're not feeling what they need to feel. They're not receiving what Christ gave us to, to give them. Oh, we celebrate our faith. We celebrate our hope. We, we have Easter and such going on, but it's all among us. They're not feeling the love and the love is the greatest thing that changes the world. It was Christ's love that compelled him to change the world. It's Christ's love that made him die on the cross. It is meeting Christ in love that saves us, that we know we are forgiven by him. We are loved by him no matter what. And this church, this people, you and I, better be about the love for anyone and everyone, no matter what they've done, no matter what's gone on. Unconditional love is forgiving, and it's forgiving because it's forgiving. We receive Christ's unconditional love. We need to pass it on. Nobody I've mentioned in any part of this context is somebody we cannot love. We must love. In fact, love and forgiveness is the only way to stop it. Only way to stop this from going on. And for those of you who carry a burden so great and so deep and so dark, forgive yourself. Christ forgives you. I declared forgiveness to you, and it's a real forgiveness that Christ gave through me today. Forgive yourself. Start over. Be clean. He said that the woman caught in adultery. He says that to anybody caught in their sin, you can start over today. And with Christ's help and his power, you could be different. Forgive yourself. And then let's be a people of prayer. If my people who are called by my name, he says, will humble themselves and, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. We need that healing. People need our prayer. And we need to live and tell that story. We need to live that and tell that story. So are you going to do that? That's where we're at right now. Are you going to be that, that love, that forgiveness of Christ? Well, I'll tell you one more thing from God. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. One more time, but I want to sing it just a little different. Instead of saying, Jesus loves me, can we sing this, Jesus loves you? Let's try that. Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, 
Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. The Bible tells me so. Love, forgive, and stop the carnage. In Jesus' name, amen. So at this time, we get an opportunity to share a portion of what God gave us with the intention he gave it, that we might invest in people knowing Jesus. We might invest in people having life and hope. Now's the time we gather our offerings. Some of you have done it already. Some of you do it online. Some of you can do it in person. Remember again, the free will offering today goes to serve Vida, as well as special checks made out to the church in Vida's name. Not Vida's name on there, but for Vida. Sing, great are you. 
rise, please rise. Let's share these words of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the wrongs are so great. The hurts are so terrible. The losses we have caused by our actions, our inactions, our, our unfeelings, our, our judgments are too great. Too great for us to stop ourselves from continuing on in a way that is wrong in the church and out of the church. Lord Jesus, but not too great for you. Melt our hearts again in love. Let there be true intercession, an offer of help for those in need, like, like Vita does, and, and not just organizations like Vita, as wonderful as it is, but organizations like Faith Celebration and Faith, and organizations like my family and, and our family, and, and each of us who believe in Jesus, organized as your church to love, to forgive, and to help those that lives might be saved. Saved here and eternity. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who are hurt today in body, soul, and spirit. We pray for healing. That those who struggle in the hospital, those who are at home in weakness, those, those who have suffered the loss of loved ones or are facing that loss themselves, Lord Jesus, that there be healing and hope and comfort and peace in the lives of these, your people, and those who need to be your people. That the message of love and forgiveness might not just be received from us and restore us and the promise of eternal life be ours to celebrate, but it might be the, the gift that we give that others celebrate it with us in this world. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for those who are in responsibilities that make decisions of laws and, and directions that, that contribute or distribute the wrong, that they might be changed. Not that laws change us, but the hearts be reflected in the laws that believe in Christ and believe in hope and life. That life be protected once more in every aspect in our nation, in our world. Lord, these things we pray, even as you taught us to pray. Lord Jesus, let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he given thanks, he gave his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it was after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped. And when he had given thanks, he gave to them saying, drink of it, all of you. 
This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Now you at home that are worshiping with us, if you wish to partake of communion together right now, you can do that. Right now we're going to take a moment or two to share Christ's peace with those around us because we all need that peace from one another. Let us do so. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again.
rise, please rise. And truly, may this bonding blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you through faith unto life here and unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you made a difference in our life and our eternity and then you have us still here. Guide us now as we go from this place that we might make a difference in other lives, in other eternities, in those that we help, those that we save, in those that you speak to in love through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now truly may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and forever and ever and ever grant you his peace. Amen. We're going to end with one more song, My Redeemer Lives, because we are still in the season of rejoice. So let's rejoice more about how the Lord is alive and it makes us alive in him. <laughs>